0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Full Draw Friday, episode number 37. we got a good show for you this week. We're going to talk about an article by John Kirby and North American Whitetail. We're going to talk about some news that just came out of Kansas about their fall turkey season in the legislative portion of the show. But before we get into that, our Ridge Hunter Outdoors Big Buck Contest registration opened up today. This is our third annual Big Buck Contest, and we're excited about it because we're doing it a little different this year. Actually, it's a lot different. It's a $30 registration fee, and with that, not only do you have the chance to enter the buck that you kill and win the first prize of a Ruger American Ranch 350 Legend or second prize of a free shoulder mount of the buck that you entered, you will also be entered into our three raffles that we're doing this year. So the first one is going to be a Bushnell Engage 1300 Rangefinder. We're going to raffle that on October 15th. The second raffle will be November 15th, and that will be a Tensing Pace Day Pack. And then the third raffle will be on November, December 15th, And it's a Bushnell H20 by 42 proof prism binoculars. We're really excited about all that stuff. So you don't even have to kill a buck this year to have a chance to win something. Registration is going to be open until October 10th. You do have to be registered before you harvest the buck that you enter in the contest, though. So you can't go kill a buck on opening day, register on the 5th, and then enter your buck. You have to be registered prior to killing the buck that you're entering in the contest. But, like I said, you don't even have to kill something to have a chance to win this year. We're giving away those three awesome prizes in the raffle. And you'll also get the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Big Buck Contest t-shirt as well. And you guys know that I've done this in the past. That'll probably be like February or March by the time we get it out. But either way, you're going to get all that stuff with your $30 registration fee. You can go over to our website, ridgehunteroutdoors.com slash contest, or just go to the website and click the Big Buck Contest link, and you can get registered there. If you guys know me or see me out and about and you want to register, just let me know and I'll get you taken care of there as well. But we appreciate you guys doing that. That's a lot of fun for us to put on i i really like the opportunity to give some stuff away and give people just another reason to be excited about deer season so that's really fun we're looking forward to that seeing what all you guys harvest what gets entered this year but make sure you go get registered first so with all that said let's get into full draw friday episode number 37 All right. So for our deer activity update, they're all shedding their velvet now and their testosterone just slowly increasing, increasing, increasing as we get closer to October, closer to that rep period. So they're starting to break up out of their bachelor groups. You know, I've heard Mark Drury quote somebody and I wish I could remember the name of the guy he quotes, but when the velvet comes off, the brain cells develop and that's what we're starting to see right now. You're going to start seeing them moving more at night around the early, the late hours of the evening so they're not necessarily going to be out on the fields in daylight like they were even less than a month ago and they shed that velvet seems like they get a lot smarter they get harder to find and that's when we kind of start slowly falling into that october lull period where they're not moving around not covering a lot of distance during the daytime so that's kind of where they're at on deer activity right now they're starting that dispersal and you're going to start to see the bucks that are going to be around for the fall season at least throughout October until the rut. And then, you know, it's anybody's guess what bucks are going to be around and what new ones might show up, what ones might leave. So that's where we're out on deer activities. If you guys are running cameras, if you've been running them all summer, you might see some of them start to disappear. You may never see them again. Maybe they reappear during the rut, but you might not even see them. Then you might get some new ones moving in too, though. Like I said, they're going to break up out of those bachelor groups and go their separate ways. And that's when you really start figuring out who's going to be around for the fall. So, Got your cameras out, make sure you pay attention to that. We'll get into that a little bit more after the legislative segment. Now, I just I kind of said something about this in the intro, but Kansas just announced that they're suspending their fall turkey hunting season. And the reason they're doing that, and I'll just read it straight out of the article here, the Kansas Wildlife and Parks says turkey hunting season has been suspended due to declining populations at state and regional levels. The decision to suspend was reached by members of Kansas Wildlife and Parks Commission after recommendations from staff over the course of four public meetings. There's a quote we'll here from Kent Fryce, the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks small game biologist. We've documented consistent declines in turkey populations over the last 15 years, largely due to reduced production levels. So that's kind of a big step, even though it's just the fall season. That's kind of a big step. And trying to get turkey populations back up. And we've talked about it a bunch. By the way, if you guys are interested in the turkey hunting stuff, make sure you stay tuned for Monday's episode. we got Sean Wright on from Woodhaven Game Calls. And it, it was an awesome episode. We talked a lot of turkey hunting, a lot of turkey calling. He was back on the circuit back in the day. Uh, we to get into some whitetail stuff, some industry t- stuff too. But if you're into turkey hunting, that's going to be a really good one to listen to. But back to the the issue at hand, Kansas with their fall season, getting rid of that they're trying to get their populations back up. They're still going to have their spring season as of right now. But again, you know, we talked about it a bunch. Turkeys are getting fewer and far between in certain places. Now there are pockets of good populations of them still. And a lot of guys are still killing birds every year. And as a matter of fact, the the total from last year harvested in Illinois was up pretty good. That doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot more birds. Maybe there's more people hunting. Uh, more people just happened to have success last year. But that does seem to be a good sign. It could lead towards, lean towards uh, there being actual actually more birds out there. But Kansas has seen, like he said, like the biologist said there, a, a steady decline. And I think you're probably going to see that throughout the turkeys' range, especially the eastern turkeys. And I know that's not really what they're out there. Uh, I think they've got some hybrids out there. But I think probably, probably even just throughout the turkeys' range throughout the Midwest, you're seeing declining numbers because of uh, habitat, more predation I don't know that hunter numbers are necessarily up but obviously reducing hunting down to zero is going to have a positive impact especially in the fall when the poults are really young and they need those hens to keep them alive so that could be a big big reason why they're canceling the fall season also there's a ton of revenue I'm assuming from the spring turkey season and they don't want to give that up right away If they don't have to. So this is probably a first step to see how much impact it's going to have. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see other states follow suit if it has a positive impact. Especially, like I said, throughout the Midwest, it seems like the turkey population is declining. So if this works for Kansas, I would not be surprised if you see it in other places. You know, We've had a lot of news come out of Kansas recently. It seems like they're trying to be pretty proactive. Some things make sense. Some things don't make sense, like with the trail camera thing necessarily. But at least they're trying something, I guess. So that's the legislative portion of this show. Be on the lookout for more news on that. I'll try to keep you updated if anything changes or if they decide to do anything for the spring season. And then maybe we'll come back and look at it when they come out with the numbers to see if it actually benefited anything this fall. On to the habitat slash hunting strategy segment for the week. Uh, Start paying attention to those bucks that are on your cameras. Like I mentioned earlier, these are the deer that you're probably going to be hunting, especially throughout October. You're, they're finally breaking up. They're going to fall into their fall ranges here in the next couple weeks if they haven't already, and that's where you're going to see them throughout October. If you're getting daylight pictures right now, definitely make note of that. Make note of where they're at. doesn't mean they won't stop cold in a couple weeks because they might, but even if you're getting nighttime pictures, pay attention to where they're coming from and where they're going. That way you can get in there and have some success on opening day. That's I think that's the biggest way you can be successful on opening day Uh, those seasons that start on October 1st, is to pay attention these last couple weeks of September, find out where they're going, where they're coming from, try to locate where they're bedding, and then get close to their bedding. And that's actually going to be kind of the tip for this week as well. For those of you whose season has already opened, get in between the food and the bedding, closer to the bedding side of it. They're not moving a ton. They're not moving very far during the day right now. Austin Stone, our buddy, was down in Kentucky opening day down there, which was like the second third. And he kind of saw some some does and fawns, they got up a couple times within six hours and moved about a total of 40 yards each time. And that's really representative of what the deer are doing, even at this time of year. Until the nightfall, they're not moving very far because they don't have to. There's still a lot out there in the woods, a lot of browse and stuff like that. So if you want a chance to kill one early season, you got to get in there close to them. Or if they're really comfortable and they don't have a lot of pressure, you can get them coming out on food early season before dark. A lot of times, most of us are hunting ground that has pressure, quite a bit of pressure around it, especially if you're talking public land, but you got neighbors that hunt. Obviously you hunt, you want to try to keep your pressure down as much as possible, but you're still out there. So those deer may not make it to those fields until nightfall. If you got an unpressured herd and you have a good food plot system or something like that, or good food source for them, then maybe you can have some luck going out there and hunting those food sources. But majority of us are going to have better luck in my opinion. This time of year, a little bit closer to their bedding. Now, that doesn't mean you should get in there and be taking too many risks and have a really high intrusion because there's a lot of season to go. So, why screw one up on opening day when you may have a really good chance of killing them the last week of October? In my opinion, I'd rather be out there the last week of October anyway. It's just prettier to be out there. It's colder generally. And it's just a better time of year. The deer, obviously, are moving more. So, don't mess anything up on opening day because you're overzealous or you think you got to take a bunch of risk to kill one. I do believe you have to be closer to their bed than their food, but don't make any dumb mistakes. It's still obviously really early for those of you whose season has just opened up. Some of them probably opened up today. I think Kansas opened a couple days ago maybe, but ours obviously opens October 1st, so don't take a bunch of dumb risks early in the season. Also, if you have acorns falling anywhere, that's probably a good place to be as well. Maybe even just put up a camera on it and see what's coming in there. That that could be a strategy as well. Let your cameras hunt for you for a while. And I'll talk about that in the question of the week when we get closer to that. But let your cameras do the hunting and then and then make the play from there. So on to the North American whitetail segment. And like I said in the intro, we're going to talk about Illusions of the Night, which is an article by John Kirby and the last Uh, last edition of North American Whitetail. It's hunting annual. It says, I'm going to skim through this really lightly. It's a really good article. There's a lot of stuff here, but just to keep it quick and hit some of the main points, you kind of probably get it already from the title, Illusions of the Night. His subtitle says, Sometimes the hottest looking deer sign is irrelevant to hunters because it was laid down by a buck after dark. This guide to identifying daytime versus nighttime sign will make you a more efficient hunter. So that's just what it is. It's a really good guide to decide what sign is being made in the daytime, what sign is being made at night, and what you should set up on and hunt. You don't want to waste a lot of time hunting over sign that's only being made at night because you can't shoot them at night anyway. This is a really big one, again, for you public land guys. Finding sign does not always mean you're going to find the deer. Finding the daytime sign is what you're looking for. And he goes on here in the article. I'm just going to to read a couple of captions from the pictures he's taken. Uh, there's one of a rub line here back as I'm and It says, This rub line was made deep in the timber, near a mature buck's bed with lots of quality brows around and plenty of security cover, chances are these are daytime rubs. So really most of the time you're going to be looking for those that sign that's deep in cover this time of year, even really throughout the season. If you're hunting over sign, look for that fresh sign that is, is deep into cover. It's not exposed to a lot of people, a lot of hunting pressure. It's in a good location where, you know, maybe close to a potential bedding area. Again, kind of like the last segment, we talked about strategy. You can find that sign that's close to their bedding area. That's probably daytime sign. Okay, so that's what you're looking for as far as daytime sign. He has another picture here of a little bit of a, almost a clearing in a wood lot. And it says, this photo shows a staging area where deer can hold up and browse before heading out to a primary food source. Staging areas are places where you can find overlap of daytime and nighttime sign. That's because... A lot of deer are coming out into that, again, before they go out to their main food source, which we like to do this with little clover plots. And this goes back to that acorn thing as well. If you can find a good acorn flat where they're dropping, that's going to be a really good holding spot for them before they go out to those main food fields after dark most of the time. So if you can set up on these spots, some deer are not making it there till after dark, though. So you're going to have that overlap of that daytime and nighttime sign like he's talking about. So that's another potential place. That's a really good one I like early season for... Low intrusion most of the time, especially if you set it up with a clover plot, so you've done it yourself to make that little staging area. You can get in there and get out usually pretty good, as long as you're not going out through their main food source and blowing the deer out of the field. And you, I mean, you could come in that way, and you're not coming in through their bedding in the evenings. Then you can set up on those and have a decent chance of success catching one of those bucks just a little bit early, especially if you get a little bit of colder weather, without having to take too many risks. Now he has another picture here towards the end of the article and it's of a beaten down path. It's got a bunch of tracks in it by a cornfield along, uh, looks like a field road next to some timber. It says, although this crossing leading deer from the timber to the cornfield is littered with sign is most likely all nighttime sign. This area is too exposed and easy to access for mature deer to frequent during daylight. So that's just like we were talking about. They like it where they feel safe that's the sign that's close to where they feel safe is generally what you're looking for when you're looking for daytime sign. So keep all that in mind. He closes out here. He says, understanding and interpreting deer sign can provide a huge advantage for hunters. Additionally, distinguishing daytime from nighttime deer sign further facilitates success. The underlying issue, however, is that deer patterns change fast. Also the bulk of deer sign in many areas is created after legal shooting hours, further complicating the equation. Hunters who rely solely on deer sign can find themselves surrounded by the comfort of rubs, scrapes, tracks, and trails, but without deer in sight. That's another, just even that last point he made there. If you're just hunting off a sign, it makes it really tough. If you can combine that scouting with cameras, then you, you're really into something. You can find the sign, put a camera over it, let it hunt for you, decide if it, if you have one of those staging areas or a place where you're not sure if they're using it in the daytime or nighttime, the camera will tell you. So that's a that's one of those things that it's a it's a good tool to have, but you don't want to rely too much on it. Same thing with the cameras. It's a good cool, good tool. You don't want to rely too much on it. Put the two together and be smart about where you're hunting when you're hunting it. Then that's when you get into having a lot of success consistently. Our last segment is the question of the week. And this one is do you prefer traditional cameras or cell cameras and why I think there are purposes for both still I just moved to sell some cell cameras last year and I love them I think they they came really close to killing me a deer last year twice the the ghost buck that I shot and we didn't weren't able to recover I had him the night before on the cell camera had I not had a cell camera sending me that picture I may not have went in and hunted the evening that I did, which was the evening prior to when I shot him, which was the first time I had seen him in daylight. So I went, I got the picture at like four 43 in the morning. I went and hunted that evening in that spot, saw him come out into the field. He got to about 80 yards and that was as close as he got. I went out the next evening to the same spot and he came into 35 and I put an arrow in him. Like I said, unfortunately we didn't recover him. I do believe that deer died, but I wasn't able to get a dog where he went and was so thick. We couldn't see anything. So I ended up with just that sick feeling after shooting one of the biggest deer that I was chasing all year. But I do believe the cell camera helped me out in that situation because I would not have went and checked a card on a traditional camera right there where that one was at and known he was in there, and I may not have went and hunted that. I might not have ever saw him that first evening, which means I probably wouldn't have went back the second evening. There was another situation where a deer on another property had shown up. I wasn't initially going to go hunting that morning, I believe it was a Sunday morning. I was planning on going to church. I got a picture at 7.30 or 8 o'clock that morning of him in my food plot from the cell camera. So I decided to change plans. I went in there because usually when they're in there, they stay in there. There's a cabin plot that he was at. I went in, and about 11.30, he came back by at about 45 yards, just on the wrong side of the trees. Had he had been 10 yards closer to my stand, he would have been on the right side where I'd had a clear shot at him at 30, 35 it might have killed him. So that was another situation where a cell camera almost got me a buck, um, whereas a traditional camera would not have. Now, with cell cameras, obviously you have more cost throughout the season with your cell plans. They generally cost more up front. And you run out of pictures sometimes. You have to, you have to upgrade your package on them or just do without the pictures until the next month. So there's that as well. Where the traditional cameras, you just go swap out a card and you have them all. I do believe there are still places for those. I like to set those up in a place where maybe I necessarily don't need to know right now what's happening. But I want to see what's happened there throughout the year. I set up a traditional camera on a mock scrape last year in the center of a timber. Where I wasn't going to be going in and out of a lot during the year. And just let it run. And I got some really good pictures of some movement uh, from some nice bucks there that I'm going to use this year. Just Intel that I can, you know, put in the computer and then use it in years to come. They're really good for that. They're also good for easy access spots where you can get to without having a lot of intrusion. Just swap out a card, uh, especially if you got them like close to a stand. You can get them on your way in or on your way out, and then you can save that little bit of money from the cell stuff. Also, you don't get cell service everywhere. Steve Shirk was telling us out where he's at in the Big Woods of Pennsylvania. There's a lot of places he can't get cell service for his camera, so he has to run traditionals. So they're obviously still useful for that. So in my opinion, if I had to buy one, I would probably buy the sale camera if I knew I had service where I was going, just because I do like to, to know if I just had one camera, I would put it somewhere where I'd want to know what was going on right now, especially come the last week of October. So that's probably where I'd lean, but I definitely still have a lot of use for the traditional cameras and I still use a bunch of them as well. So there's kind of my muddy answer on whether I like to sell cameras or the traditional cameras better. Hopefully that helps you out in making a decision if you got a t- decision to make. And Before we get you out of here, guys, don't forget our partner for Full Draw Friday is Rodney Hawkins. If you're looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt, maybe you want to do some of this stuff on that we've talked about. Rodney's the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in seller in Illinois, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. Midwest Farm and Land is in your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022 alone with agents like Rodney all over Illinois. They're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them, you can contact him directly at 618-925-3153 and he'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own business called RG Outdoors. He's currently got products from Radix Hunting. Uh, including blinds, hard and soft-sided, and blind chairs. He's got an all-natural simulation elimination product called Camo Dust, and he has Tacticam Trail Cameras. Everybody loves those. If you want them and you're in the area, uh, he's based out of Florida, Illinois. He's the guy to get them from. He's a certified dealer of the Tacticam Trail Cameras, so he can get you what you need when it comes to that. If you're interested in doing that or any of the other stuff that he has to offer, You can send them a message to their Facebook page, RG Outdoors. You can email them at RGOutdoors at yahoo.com, or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. Follow us on our social media, Ridge Hunter Outdoors, on Facebook and Instagram, Facebook group, RHO Podcast Patrons. That's for exclusive content. We'll let you know the guests that are coming on when I can. You can have some input on the show. Like I said earlier, RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. The Big Buck Contest registration is open now, but you can also find our consulting and management services on there, as well as our products, our scent products and apparel. You know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, follow us on their lives review. We really appreciate that. Subscribe and like the YouTube channel. We're going to have a fall show coming up, and we're going to be kind of promoting that soon, so you guys are going to see some stuff coming out of that. But make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so you know when the first episode drops. And then if you guys find anything on the website that you would like, use the discount code Draw. That's all caps, no space, and you get 10% off everything in your order. Appreciate you guys sticking around, listening this week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Don't forget about that big buck contest, guys. It's a really good opportunity to win some really cool prizes. We're excited about it. Looking forward to seeing what you guys harvest. And don't forget to you know join that Facebook group and share that stuff in there. It's essentially, essentially, it's just another hunting Facebook group, and who doesn't need another one of those, where you can share your stuff, but you also can have some input on the podcast. And we're going to do some giveaways through there as well, so... Again, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Make sure you stay locked in for Monday's episode with Sean Wright. It was a lot of fun talking to him, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it too. See you.